morning I will be reading from Mark 10, verses 35 to 45 from the New Living Translation. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Then Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word of the Lord. Amen. That's a great word. Thank you, Janelle McFeeters. I can see that you've stood in front of a classroom a few times. And thank you, uh, Vern and Gloria. We love your hearts already. Were you already over in Romania? Were you there? Were you in that cab of that big machine? I thought it was you in there. Wow. So awesome. We are just delighted uh, that you're going over there using your gifts. Uh, to serve in as God has called you. So just awesome. Well, a great evening last night. Chicago Cubs. First, they're going to the, they're going to the World Series, folks. First time since 1945. And uh, first time they were in the World Series was 1908. Anybody around back then? No? 1908. First time they were in the World Series, and uh, they made it to the World Series. Uh, well, they won in 1908, and then they got there in 1945, and now it's 71 years, and they're going back. So Chicago's pretty excited, and the manager at the end of the, the game came up, and he said, it's been teamwork all the way. Every person is valued on the team Every person values the next person, and, uh, and that's how we got to where we're at. And I thought, very relevant to what Jesus wants to say uh, to us even today. So let's stand together, and we're going to pray. Lord, we, we thank you uh, for Vern and Gloria. Uh, what a wonderful call you have in their lives to be obedient to you and to make a difference in the world. 
Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word this, this morning and uh, for the uh, joy of just hearing it read and for the joy now of meditating upon it. We ask that you would use your word this morning, the, uh, the illumination of the Holy Spirit, to make it real for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We were put on the planet to make a difference. God actually made us for the reason of making a difference with our lives. Uh, he made us to serve. He made us to unshackle our selfishness and see the reason we exist. Now, I know the prevailing philosophy is today is the, to get all you can get. But in reality, we weren't made to subtract from the earth. We were made to add to it. In 2 Timothy, it says that it is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work, not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan. That was his plan. So God has touched your heart and your life for a reason, uh, to serve him, to be part of what he is doing in this big world. You are not saved by the work you do, but you are saved in order to serve him. God has a place for you in the kingdom. He has a purpose for you. He has a role for you to fulfill. And there's nothing better in this life than to be able to add significance and meaning to life by knowing where you fit in his plan. Have you ever asked the question, why didn't God just take me home immediately? I came to faith in Christ. Why didn't he just exit me right away to heaven? Well, he left you here because he has a job for you. He has a role for you to be a part of. He le he's left you here to fulfill his purposes. You are called to full-time service regardless of where you're, where you're at or what job you have or even if you are retired. You are still called. Just a thought. None of us here are retired. None of us. We are all working for the kingdom. There's a purpose for your life every day. That's what gets you up in the morning. That's what gets you going because there, there's a purpose. There's a call upon your life. So I would welcome you to come to, to the passage that was read for us this morning, the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 10 uh, to verse 35 and following. It's such an intriguing story. Can I just sketch it for you again? that Jesus is moving along with his band of disciples. He's moving from Galilee. He's moving up to Jerusalem. And what is heavy on the heart of Jesus is what he sees that is going to come to pass in the very near future, the cross. He's thinking about the cross and the events that he knows will soon come to pass. He's walking ahead of his disciples. It's almost like he stops and he pulls aside for a brief moment or two and then he pulls his disciples right in tight to let them know what's on his heart. Listen, guys. Can we talk? You need to know what's coming. You need to know because you need to brace yourself. We're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to death and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. 
Really, this is what Jesus wanted them to know. This was a difficult moment for the team. They were reeling with the words that Jesus had to say. And, and listen, that he knew all those details. Isn't that amazing? That he knew all those details of what was going on. They would mock him and spit on him. And, and they would, they would uh, hit him with a whip and kill him. And imagine having all the detail before your final moments. Now, uh, you have some awkward moments in life. Have you ever had an awkward moment in a conversation where you kind of got, ooh, how did I get into that? I'm sure we've all got that in common. Well, this seems even more awkward because James and John were in the circle. And they knew the mood. They knew the sense of gloom that was hanging over them. But nevertheless, in the next breath, after Jesus says he's going to be put to death, James and John ask Jesus, could we talk to you for a moment? Uh, I mean, just something on our minds. Nothing big, you know, just got a moment. Uh, something we just want to mention to you. I, I, I know you've got some things in your mind too, but we have some things in our mind. Jesus said, what do you want to ask me? Well, you know, we've been talking among ourselves, yeah, and we've been talking to mom. So I wouldn't doubt her mom's going to talk to you. And because uh, she's got some things that she's thinking about. And Matthew adds this little feature in chapter 20 of his gospel, if you want to read about it. You know, reminds me there's a sign in a candy shop about eyeball level for a seven-year-old to see. And the sign, sign on the counter reads like this. If mom says no, ask grandma. If mom says no, ask grandma. Because grandmas are a soft touch. I heard a grandchild say the other day, I won't mention where, which grandchild that is, but the grandchild says, um, don't ask mom. Uh, ask grandma. Because if you want to get the right results, you don't want to ask your mom, because she's paid to be tough. But ask grandma. Grandmas can be the softies. Yes, Jesus, mom will be talking to you, and it doesn't say it, but maybe they already had grandma tagged in the back so that she, she, could, she could come to the resource as well. When you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. And that's it. That's all we wanted to say. Would you think about that, Jesus? Well, talk about being forward and presumptuous. They felt that somehow they deserved seats of honor. I'm glad that none of us ever have feelings like that, right? We never worry about the corner office. We never ask to be served first around the dinner table. We never ask to be first at all. You know, that would never be us, right? Not, not as boldly as this. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? They were asking to move to the head of the line. They wanted a shortcut. They wanted an unfair advantage. At a t-ball game, uh, a little boy came up to the bat and he swatted the ball off the tee and ran as fast as he could to the third base. Not first base, as 
you might expect, but he ran to third base. And the child, the coach went over to the child and said, man, you sure hit that ball a long ways. The little fellow said, I sure did. And, uh, and the coach said, uh, yeah, and he said, you really ran very fast to third base and surprised everybody. I sure did, the little guy said. Well, the coach said, I just have one question to ask you. Why did you run to third base instead of to first? Well, the little boy said, because that's where I wanted to go. And I could get there a lot faster that way. So I just ran right to third. Well, it does make sense to run right to third first. If, if you don't want to conform to the silly rules of baseball, well, just why not go where you're going? That's where you wanted to go. And James and John, they wanted a shortcut based not on what they knew or what they earned, but on who they knew. I'm sure they felt they deserved this promotion. They didn't want to just wait in line. Jesus didn't scold them for that. I mean, it's all right to be ambitious if you want to go about achieving those ambitions in an honorable way. I mean, if you're honest and you treat people in a decent manner, then ambition is a powerful motivating influence in our lives. Because nothing happens without a dream. So nothing wrong with being ambitious. Jesus looks at them and said, you know, you guys, you don't know what you're asking. First of all, you don't, you don't know the implications of your question. Are you able, are you willing to drink from the cup I'm about to drink? And anytime you see the word cup in the New Testament, it's always a picture of life or death. Nevertheless, John and James, they say, yeah, no, we can do that. Yet Jesus says to them, you know, that's not really for me to say yes to or no to. And you see the implications of this whole dialogue that's going on? It's not really just between James and John and Jesus. It spills over. It has repercussions on the group. And when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Shortcut. That's just selfishness. Well, honestly, it, it ticked them off. It made them mad, indignant. How could they? That they would try to step in front of us? Why would they try to do an end run with Jesus to see if they could get him on side? James. And John, you did that? John, I would expect different. So this is a great teaching moment for Jesus. Maybe you've had these teaching moments in your life with your family, perhaps at work. Uh, maybe there's a bit of a train wreck that calls for a time to debrief and a time to learn and a time to teach. So Jesus called them together and he said, You know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Could we just look at some of the implications of this for us and the way we walk and serve these days? First of all, Serving creates a bond of unity. Whenever you really serve someone, 
you lower the barriers of selfishness. And you up the connection. You increase the strength of, of that relationship. You promote a spirit of unity. James and John temporarily forgot the implications of their pride and their assertiveness. They broke unity. They didn't seem to realize how this was going to play out with the rest of the guys. Because serving is a way in which you humble yourself. You, you come alongside of someone else and you serve them. When perhaps you don't need to. It's not called for. You just go ahead and you do it. And it has tremendous impact. How do you reach a community? How do you reach this community? Not by coming in with all the answers to rescue the community, but by humbling yourself and serving a community. How can we more effectively do that? How can we humble ourselves and serve our community and create a spirit of unity? We were in the Hearing God seminar on uh, this past Monday night, and we were doing an exercise on listening. And mine was to listen for what God, how God wants to impact the communities of Windermere. What can we do to make an impact? And as we listened, I heard the word prayer, just kind of an impression of prayer. Not necessarily strategies, because I was listening for strategies. But the Lord said prayer out of our praying for the communities, that the Lord would show us the resources and the ways in which we can best serve them and love them and connect with them. So it was like he was saying, don't start with the strategies. Start with prayer and listening. And I'll show you as you walk with me how to do that. Pray and serve. And that's how Jesus approached it. He always listened to his Father. He listened to his father, and then he went and did what his father told him. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if you're trying to create a climate of unity at your place of work, for example, or in your home, look for ways to be a servant. Do things without being asked. Your labors of love count in a big and eternal way. They build unity over the months and years. Secondly, serving encourages teamwork. I'm sure it took a little while for the rest of the ten to have a more positive feeling towards James and John. Because they'd been kind of hit. They took a hit. And uh, because they weren't pulling as a team, uh, James and John broke rank. And it didn't feel good. And so they had to get over that little piece. Serving your team. Who is on your team? That works for us today, whatever team you're on, whether you're in, a, in the teaching profession, whether you're a teacher in a public school or a private school or people in the business world or the corporate world or the sports world or athletics or church or wherever it might be. Think of your team. Serving your team adds great value for the strength of the work that you do together. Honestly, we're all a team. We all need each other. We have our little teams that we work with throughout the week. But in a sense, really, when you think of it, we're just one big team. 
We're one big team at TCC. Really, we're all working on the same goals. We're working for the same end. We know what we're about. We're about building strong men and women and young people and children for the kingdom. We're about connecting with our community. We're about deepening our conversation with other communities so that we can be used of God wherever God wants to use us. We know what we are about, but yet it takes a team to put it all together. And there is something about serving that creates a sense of team. I just walked in this morning as everybody was working and uh, they were working in the kitchen and they were setting up chairs here and the worship team was, was practicing and the children's workers were getting themselves prepared. I mean, it's such an amazing team of volunteers from brunch to worship to children to sound to youth to greeters and ushers and so on. It's just an awesome team of people. I mean, and that's just Sunday morning. And they, they serve with such an amazing spirit of how can I serve? How can I serve? I don't hear people grumble. And I just love you for your awesome spirit, the way you approach things. It makes all the difference of the world. And you should see this place during the week. It's just humming all week long with all the things that are happening in this building. Service is the language of grace. You have to be ready to step up and serve at the drop of a hat, wherever. Your neighbor might need you, and you have to be there. Peter said in 1 Peter 4.10, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Well, we say, well, what can I do? What can I do in my neighborhood? Can you bake? Can you landscape? Can you shovel snow off the lawn and cut the lawn? I told you the story before, and uh, several years ago, my wife looked out the, uh, the window and saw our next-door neighbor laying sod. And she turned to me and said, Don't you want to help him? I hadn't really planned it. And uh, she volunteered me. But after I overcame my selfishness, after I had coffee, I went out and I did really enjoy it. But it took a little caffeine and it took a little God nudge and it took a little shove from my wife. But yeah, I did want to help him. I guess I did want to help him, yeah. Leonard Bernstein once said, the hardest instrument to play is second fiddle. He said, there are plenty of people who want to be first violinists, but to find someone willing to play second chair in any section of the orchestra is a problem. But without a second, there's no harmony. Thirdly, serving points to Jesus. Sometimes words don't get you anywhere with certain people in life. You can talk and talk and talk. They're not ready to hear your words, but they're ready to see your example. And when you serve without a lot of words, people begin to see Jesus. I know it takes time, it takes prayer, but when you serve, people begin to see Jesus and something registers there. Dr. Albert Schweitzer once said, example is not the best way of teaching. Uh, it is the only way. People in your family and neighborhood are watching everything that you do. 
Over a period of time, they will become convinced that you really are the real deal. And you do have an authentic relationship with this man called Jesus Christ. And because you serve, they will be much more open to who Jesus is in their lives. Do you know the experience that Jesus, uh, the disciples never forgot? John 13. Remember the story? The, the evening when Jesus took a towel and uh, put it over his arm and took a basin of water, he washed their feet. He even washed the feet of Judas. And when Judas was thinking about this, about what he did, just right before he, he died, I mean, it just haunted him because he knew that Jesus really was the real deal. He knew that Jesus really was who he claimed to be. And Jesus really had washed his feet. And it was the most awful feeling in the world because he had betrayed the Son of God. And he threw that money back into the temple and he couldn't see it in his heart to say, I made the biggest, biggest mistake of my life. He, he couldn't see it in his heart to say, well, but I can stop and turn around right now. And he took his life. Whenever you wash someone's feet Metaphorically speaking, you communicate to them something about the Lord you love. And while you may not see huge ripples immediately, be patient and know that the Holy Spirit is working. Be Jesus to them through your example. Fourthly, service brings transformation. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Serving is life-giving. Serving changes you. I mean, it impacts your attitude. Serving makes you a unique leader, a servant leader, which is incredibly powerful. That's even well-recognized outside of Christian circles. Servant leadership. In the corporate world, they're, they're looking for servant leaders. I mean, you really have to be careful how you serve. If you serve with the wrong heart out of compulsion or grudgingly, you miss the blessing and you miss the transformation. And you can be a candidate for burnout if, if you're not operating in the power of God's generous grace and love. So this is a bit of a warning for all of us to remember that we serve out of the strength that God gives in our journey with Him. Not just, oh, I've got to do it, got to do it, got to do it. Sometimes we have to say no. And sometimes we say yes. Sometimes we have to protect margin for the well-being of our family and our relationship with God. But we have to be honest with that. Because it would be easy just to have a little thing, oh, I'm just protecting my margins, protecting my margins, protecting my margins here. No, no, but we serve out of a relationship with Christ. And when we do that, it's quite transforming. If you serve with an attitude of love, and if you sense that Christ is the one who is receiving the glory, then the sky is the limit for what you can accomplish, and you will earn the right to be heard. It was uh, St. Francis of Assisi who said, preach the gospel at all times 
and if necessary, use words. <coughs> A little tickle. Jesus said, whoever loses his life for me will find it. Matthew sixteen twenty five. <coughs> we see that principle at work when we lose ourselves in service to him. And as you read, as you read the Gospels, uh, again and again, Jesus challenges us to devote our lives to living for others. And then finally, serving has a shape for each of us. Jesus has a unique calling, and his, his service was very tailored to who he was. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. It takes a while, but we do begin to understand that God has shaped us to serve in ways that fit who we are. Gloria and Vern, I think you recognize that, that you know your calling. You know, you know how God has built you and shaped you, and, and you say, ah, but there's where I can serve. There's where I fit. And so God has uniquely formed you and called you to serve in a way that fits how he made you. And he, he always takes advantage as, as to how he's gifted you. So he gives you abilities and interests and talents and gifts and personality and life experiences. And he blends them all together in a big mixer to help you find your best fit. So ask yourself again today, how has God wired me? How does my personality and my giftings and my strength and my experience and even my weaknesses and my passion, how does it all play together in this big blender for the major roles and purposes that God has for my life? That's such an important question. How can you serve at TCC? How can you serve in our community? How can you serve in the next church plant that is, is coming upon us soon. Take a look at how things line up in your life. Take a look at how he has gifted you. Take a look at the gifts of the Spirit. Read about them in the Scriptures. Do you know your spiritual gifts and your passion? Do you know what your heart beats strongly for? What are the opportunities to get involved? Sometimes you just find out a lot about yourself by testing the waters if you don't know. Just try it out. And you say, oh, that's, that's, I love that, or that's not for me. Well, tackling selfishness. A, a lifetime challenge. But every step we take is huge. So can I ask you a question? Why did God's Spirit want you to hear this today? What is he saying to you? Who can you think of right away that needs to be served? Is it the person most difficult to serve? And, and you would not even want to serve them? But the Spirit says this is what they need. Will you listen to him? Who needs your blessing? Who lives within your family that you need to serve? A little bit more. Who needs your encouragement? What about serving here at TCC? Have you found a spot? It's a joy to serve. 
Where would you like to serve? Do you need some help? Do you need to talk to Pastor Norb or myself or one of our staff? Take a risk. Step out and say, I can lend a hand too. I want to serve. I want to use my gifts and strengths for the kingdom. For the kingdom. Maybe there will be others who will say, with Vernon Gloria, I think God's calling me to missions. I, I just think I need to remind us once in a while too that there are people in the congregation who God has a call on for pastoral ministry. God needs you. And you say that I need to get prepared because I feel it too. I felt it as a young person growing up. I felt it. And God will put it on your heart too. So when you're hearing that, investigate it. Check it out. I need to get ready. Will you hear his voice today? God's blessings to you. God's blessings to you as you serve. May you serve him with the joy of the Lord and find significance and meaning for your life. Let's stand together. Father God, only you bring significance and meaning and purpose to our lives. Oh, thank you for the, for the precious Holy Spirit working in our lives, reminding us again that we are your servants and what an awesome pleasure that is and to think that we could have a partnership with you in doing the things that you want done here on this earth. Lord, I just pray your spirit will show each of us uh, the heart of the Father to give ourselves to be fully engaged. Lord, that we would understand how you made us and how you wired us and how you've gifted us and, and how you want us to serve. Lord, we, we know that uh, the time, the time is moving quickly. And the harvest the harvest is ready. Help us, Lord. Help us to be about the master's business. We give you all the praise, we give you all the glory. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.